Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Ooh, it is the future of now. Welcome, 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 welcome. We've got an exciting topic for you today, and thank you all of us, all of you around the world who are joining us. I have a great panel. Let me tell you what we're going to be talking about. AI, artificial intelligence. Come on, you've all heard the buzz. Let me tell you a little bit about what our focus is today. AI is the most in-demand tool in the media market. I could stop right there, but you know I'm going to tell you more. Your customers are discerning. Viewers are 85% more likely to buy a product after watching a video. Many startups are investing in AI for video creation. Uh, There are automated video editors. The technology is making things easier. Even YouTube and Netflix have adapted AI for better user experience. This technology is changing the way the video industry used to work. I am loosely quoting a writer named Akash Deep in Hacker Noon. That's where I found this article. And we're not specifically talking about business videos, but we, we are going to focus on that. So what our topic is today can apply to you and the videos you're making. So we're titling this episode, AI in Your Videos, Coolness Beyond Cute Cats. Just let that sink in. You know what I'm talking about. You may have made a cute cat video. I don't know who you are. So cameras, roll, action. How will AI impact the future of your videos, whether they're business and or personal? We've lined up a panel of experts. They all are great thought leaders, and they're going to share a lot of their expertise and their predictions with us today. We're going to be speaking with Jesse Aris at Vidyard, Matthew Trushinsky, said I can call him Matt at MyoVision, M-I-O-Vision, Kirsten. Kirsten Boyleau at SAP and Sherelle Robinson-Brown at SAP. You may be familiar with Kirsten and Sherelle, who've been on many of our radio shows, and Kirsten sponsors an SAP show we've been doing for many years on the future of digital selling. So here we go. Let's start with introducing our panelists. First up, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what this topic means to you. Jesse Aris at Vidyard, go ahead. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Bonnie. I've... uh I've been listening to your show for a while and uh, certainly love it. It's a great opportunity to be here. So my Thank name you. is Jesse, and I'm responsible for an area of marketing at a company called Vidyard uh, that focuses on product marketing. Now, uh, sometimes when I say that, folks don't know exactly what I mean by product marketing, but product marketing has got to be the best gig in marketing today. You get to sit between the creative marketers and then the, I guess we'll call them not-so-creative product (laughs) managers, and really understand how what that product team is creating impacts the users of the product and vice versa. So it's it's definitely a great place to be if you love technology and if you love future like myself. Um, So a little quickly, Vidyard is a video platform for businesses. As you mentioned, people love watching videos, and when they watch Mm -hmm. those videos, they're more inclined to purchase a product. So what we do at Vidyard is essentially uh, streamline that process from when they push play all the way through the entire sales cycle. So that's a little bit about me. 
Thank you. And Jesse, let me just ask you quickly here, and thank you for saying you've been listening to my shows. I really appreciate that. We we love to have fans and listeners join us on panels, so that's a message to our listeners around the world. Jesse, is AI making video making more fun? Is it making it more creative, or is it bogging it down in, you got to learn this, you got to learn that technology? Just a quick overview. What's your take? Yeah, absolutely. Well, right now, we're still a little bit young in the world of AI and video. Like you mentioned, companies like Netflix are doing a lot of things. Um, companies like uh, the company that I work for are doing great things in AI. But yes, you're right. I, I think it, it, it really ties into uh, the fact that, yes, the technology is there. Yes, the technology exists. It's just how can we uh, figure out how this technology is best going to benefit both the people making the videos and very importantly, the people watching the videos. And, and I think you'll start to see, and I know we're going to dig into it a little bit more in the show, um, how these two worlds are coming together, uh, powered by artificial intelligence. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Jesse. Let's go around the table. One seat to Matt Trushinsky at MyoVision. Matt, please tell us a little bit about what you do. And do you think technology, AI specifically, is a good thing for videos, or are we getting bogged down? Matt? Uh, great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, just mm-hmm. a little bit of on myself. I've, I've kind of always lived within the marketing world. I've done everything from communications and PR to product marketing, like Jesse. Uh, I've even had a stint in journalism. So my role and my focus is, is mostly about marketing. So how do we get messages in front of our customers, in front of prospects? How do we convince them, convert them, and ultimately turn them to uh, really happy customers? So my vision as a company, we, we deal both in video, but we have uh, – more of a play in what we call the smart city market. So our customers are cities themselves. We're in about 67 different countries across the across the world, um, over a thousand customers, and our goal is to just make cities better for citizens. Um, I spend most of my time thinking about marketing more advanced technologies. So how do we, you know, take things like artificial intelligence, uh, IoT, cloud technologies, and educate, uh, let's say, non-technical buyers on the benefits of adopting things like AI. So that tends to be my strong focus. And when I look at AI, I just see all sorts of opportunity. Um, I think the biggest chasm between AI and adoption is actually just education and converting what technologists and the futurists, like the people on this panel, understand as being valuable and exciting, converting that into a language that the average buyer or the average user can understand simply with video, uh, converting those things into outcomes that ultimately drive purchasing decisions or emotional uh, outcomes that you want from video. Thank you. I think the emotional outcome is what everybody's looking for. Don't you agree, Matt? Whether we're consumers, whether we're just watching something. And isn't that why cute cat videos have captured attention? Because people want a break. They want they don't want to be serious all the time. They're like, oh, that's so cute. Look at that. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. Sometimes video is just a mechanism to distract it, the mechanism to escape from, from kind of everything else you've got going in your life. But uh, certainly as a marketer, I look at a video as a tool uh, to sell. Well put. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. Kirsten Boyleau, no stranger to radio with Bonnie. So, Kirsten, why don't you bring everybody up to date on what you've been up to and, and what's your perspective? Is AI bogging us down or is it helping videos? Kirsten, welcome. Oh, thanks, Bonnie. Great to be here. Happy to uh, helping you launch this new show and series. 
Um, so I'm the head of digital enablement services for marketing um, at SAP here, and I'm in, based in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, which I think, Jesse, you're in the same place. Um, and I'm working on training and enablement around three different topics, digital selling, which I've been doing for a long time, which is, of course, where our other radio program comes in. Uh, but I'm also responsible for training and enablement around marketing cloud at SAP and digital marketing for our entire marketing organization. So I'm coming at video from a slightly different perspective and AI and video from a slightly different perspective. And I think that, uh, in my opinion, uh, AI is, um, again, as, as Jesse said, you know, certainly in its infancy as to how we can leverage it. Uh, and I think ultimately it will um, really be a catalyst as to how video gets used uh, in so many different ways that maybe we can't even imagine just yet. Mm, I like that. I like it. We're going to get to predictions, and I can't wait for yours, Kirsten. Thank you so much for joining us. And one more stop around the table, Sherelle Robinson-Brown, also no stranger to radio with me. Sherelle, why don't you introduce yourself to our new audience around the world and tell us what AI and video means to you? Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much Hi. for having me on. It's great to speak with you again. Thank you. Um, great to meet the panelists. Um, Sherelle Robinson-Brown. I am a digital selling program manager for North America on Kirsten's team uh, at SAP, and I am also um, in charge of gamification and the executive branding program. So that puts me in front of a lot of our leadership team at SAP, and what we do is we really just foster in helping them become champions in digital selling. Um, and so, so what about video? Think, What's your thought about the, the usefulness of video in digital selling? Are you seeing a lot, uh, an increase in the use and the creation and the creativity, Sherelle? I see so much resourcing um, and um, energy put into video. I'm coming at video from the perspective of it can make or break the success of people who do business digitally. Um, people want to be entertained, right? And you can cut down a lot of um, monetary costs by eliminating some travel associated with people getting in introduced to you um, through using video. So um, it really is very, very important in the business that I'm doing. So right now, I think in the business that I am in, we are kind, uh, kind of convincing people to get involved in video. Um, ah. Regarding AI, I mm-hmm. think, you know, this may be bleeding a little bit into one of my topics, but I simply see AI and technology um, and people taking it too serious because of those creepy movies created in the early 2000s, you know, <laughs> mostly about robots being evil. I see AI and technology as a means to an end, and that end being automating processes and leaving more time for us to be human, right? So if I'm involved in business where my success depends on my presence on social and digital platforms, I can really automate that by using AI and technology. And then in the meantime, I'll be able to get to spend more time with my daughters watching cute cat videos. That was beautifully wrapped up. You tied a bow on it, Sherelle. Thank you very much. By the way, I want to tell everybody that Sherelle has joined the legions of, of um, 
shall we say, stars, uh, celebrities who use one name. Sherelle owns at Sherelle on Twitter, C-H-A-R-R-E-L-E. She only needs one name because that's the one she uses and she grabbed it. So, Sherelle, you're, you're a one-name celebrity and I always get a <laughs> kick out of your, your handle on Twitter. So, thank you very much for joining us. Now we're going to hear from each of our panelists. They've sent me an interesting quote, future-focused quote. I'll read a little bit about the background of the quote, and then we'll give you each about two minutes or so to explain why you picked the quote for our topic today, which is, where is video going for personal use, for business use, and the role of AI or not in video making? So Jesse Aris at Vineyard has sent me a quote from John Lasseter. Jesse, I didn't know his name. Shame on me. He's still very much alive, born in 1957. I call him a kid. American animator, filmmaker, and former Chief Creative Officer of Walt Disney Animated Studios, Pixar and Disney Toon Studios. And what's interesting was that he was fired from Disney. Did you notice, Jesse? John Lasseter was fired from Disney for promoting computer animation. I had no idea. Unbelievable. I had no idea. Yes, wow. and then he joined Lucasfilm, where he worked on groundbreaking use of CGI animation. What's interesting is the films he has made have grossed $19 billion. He is one of the most successful filmmakers of all time. And his movies include Toy Story 3, Frozen, which is uh, the current highest grossing animated film of all time, Zootopia, Finding Dory and Incredibles 2. He is a rock star in his field and he was fired for animation. Don't you love it? Here's the quote Jesse has selected from John Lasseter. Art challenges technology, but technology inspires the art. Jesse, two minutes. Tell me what this means. Yeah, and and so I love this because as someone who's really excited about the future, I believe that so much of the technology, think of it like Lego bricks. We have it in front of us. It's just up to us to see what we can do and how to be creative to put those Lego Lego blocks into something that uh, people around the world will love. And Pixar does such a fantastic job with this. So if you look at something like the first Toy Story movie and then compare it to the Toy Story movie, that just came out. I mean, in your memory, it may not look that different, but they, if I trust me, the technology and the difference is, is mind blowing. You just look at the dog versus in Toy Story 1 versus the cat in Toy Story 4, and you'll mm. see what I mean. There's been some tweets going around about that, but, um, I love how Pixar and, and, uh, John himself really challenge the status quo. When Pixar gets into, uh, a, a new movie, they always challenge themselves. You look at something like, uh, Finding Nemo. Up until Finding Nemo was done, uh, there was no real good way to create CGI underwater. It just mm-hmm. didn't exist. And so, uh, the, the, the geniuses at Pixar, they sat down and they said, okay, you know what? We're going to tackle this problem head on and we're going to do an entire movie that takes place underwater. So the technology already existed. The art already existed. But these folks at Pixar said, how can we, how can we tackle this head on and combine these two things and push the industry forward? And the next thing you know, and you, I, you probably need a physics degree to work at Pixar, but they're mm-hmm. coming up with ways to put water under, uh, light underwater and, and have reflective uh, elements. If you look at the movie Brave, in that movie, they tackled curly hair. How are we going to do curly hair? You, you see it in cars. How are we going to do uh, reflections? 
shiny reflections, chrome and rust. They take these concepts and they push it as far as they can. Even if they think the technology doesn't already exist, it does. It's just a matter of how can they manipulate that technology to achieve the art that they're trying to um, land on. So very exciting, and and I, I love that quote. Thank you, Jesse. I love it, too. I think it's words to live by, especially for our, our modern times. I use the word modern loosely, of course. Thank you. Matt Trushinsky has sent us a quote from Del Barber from Big Smoke. I had no idea who he is. A Canadian, Kirsten may know him, Canadian independent folk, folk rock Americana, and alternative country singer, songwriter, musician, and record producer, nominated for many awards. He won. He was nominated for a Canadian Folk Music Award for Solo Artist of the Year in 2012 and won the Roots Solo Recording of the Year for Headwaters at the Western Canadian Music Awards. He was born in 1983, a very young man. And here is the quote Matt has selected from Del Barber, Big Smoke. There are no straight paths. There's no easy way. Oh, Matt, you got to tell me what this means. Talk to me. Yeah, so I, I love this quote. I think I think my selection is maybe showing both my Canadian and my country roots a little bit, clearly. Um but I think this is this is uh, I think what we're talking about specifically with a lot of this AI video and, and how these kind of technologies merge together come together. What we're talking about is change, and and change can be difficult. And I think often sometimes, especially people like like me who get really excited about change, um, don't don't fully account for the amount of disruption and new skills and how difficult can, it can be to have new technologies come online and change people's every day. So this is a quote I use for myself. No straight paths, no easy way. When when we're diff- when we're struggling with change, when you know all of us are working in tech and working startups, uh, lots of change, lots of challenges, and it's something that I remind myself. It's I remind my team. You know, there, there's never a straight path. We never go from point A to point B, and typically point A to point B is not easy. Um, and it's the same thing with technology. It's going to be the same thing with video. It's going to be the same thing as we adopt AI. Things, a lot of things are going to change, but that's okay because there's no straight path and there's no, nothing, uh, nothing ever worth doing tends to be easy. I like that as well. Words to live by. Thank you very much, Matt. Kirsten Boyleau has selected a different type of quote. This one is from Malcolm X, 1925, assassinated 40 years later in 1965. He was an American Muslim minister and human rights activist who was popular during the civil rights movement. Here's the quote. Listen up, everyone. More words to live by. Education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. Kirsten Boyleau, talk to me. Sure, yeah. So um, I actually heard about Malcolm X years and years and years ago when I was in university. And uh, I think I had a very sheltered life when I was in high school, but when I got to university, things kind of opened up for me a little bit. And uh, I heard about Malcolm X and have kind of um, investigated him over the years and, uh, and you know, kind of learned a bit from him. But I really like this quote because... Um, in my role, I like to use AI and video, um, video mainly for understanding and helping people understand complex topics. Um, and I think that I can go from a, both a marketing and sales perspective as well as um, a, an education standpoint. Uh, when we're trying to help people understand complex topics, it's, uh, you know, video can be a great way to do that. And so I really like the quote because um, when people are trying to move forward, when they're trying to uh, to really um, understand something, uh, it really helps them to um, 
you know, video will help them to, to get there, but also that just taking that next step and taking the, the um, knowledge that you have and expanding it will always better prepare you for tomorrow. Thank you very much. I love the idea of video as an educational tool. Kirsten, and I know Sherelle mentioned that she works in gamification as well, and maybe she'll talk later about how videos help with that gamification process, or maybe they are part of the process. Yes, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about coolness in videos beyond cat videos. Videos are being used for marketing, for branding, for personal communication, for education. We're talking specifically about how AI, artificial intelligence, is playing a role Maybe it's not quite mature enough yet for you to know about it if you're in marketing or if you're in the business of communicating, but it certainly is up and coming. We're getting quotes, opening quotes from our panelists, and we are around the table to Sherelle Robinson-Brown, who has sent us a quote from a movie. Sherelle, you know I love movie quotes. I'm just going to read these three words with a quick note, and I'm going to let you explain because I have the full context of the quote, but I want you to tell where it came from and, and why you picked it. The quote is, Why so serious? Spoken by the late Heath Ledger as the Joker in the Batman movie, The Dark Knight. Why so serious? Sherelle, talk to me. So I think almost everyone, especially people who are listening to this um, radio show, are familiar with Heath Ledger, you know, and this particular quote. Um, Although the premise behind this quote is a very dark movie, I think taking this quote in the literal sense is how I try to look at most things. I try to look at most things. I'm often, and we are in general, often very quick to get offended, put people in their place, stand up for a certain group of people or beliefs and not others. But if we knew what people carry from day to day, we would probably be less likely to take what they say and do so seriously, you know, and get so offended by it. So I think in terms of taking things seriously, we need to prioritize ourselves and decide which battles we're going to fight. So you ask, how does this quote relate to the topic that we're discussing mm-hmm. today? There are so many of us that take our lives too seriously, and in terms of our digital and social presence, we are very apprehensive to take the plunge and get ourselves out there. Our prospects and customers are really just eager to learn about us and what we have We have access to all of these amazing tools to get in front of them virtually, you know, using tools like AI and technology and video. But we don't do that because we take ourselves so seriously and we don't give them access to us. So the quote, why so serious, to me, translates to why so scared. Ooh, that's profound, Sherelle. I expected nothing less from you. Very, why so scared? Let me go around the table before we get to our predictions. No, we're not going to take a break. This is just too much interesting conversation and too much fun. Uh, let me go back to Jesse Aris. We're just going to quickly go around the table. Do you think that the the humanness, take this the right way, the humanness of cute cat videos and cute baby videos and the things that have been surfacing that are going viral, makeup videos, people talking about whatever, the whisperers, whatever you're thinking about that have gone viral and captured people's attention, their imagination, their, their share of their time in the past, let's say, five, eight years, maybe farther back, Jesse. Do you think that these are setting a new tone for business videos, corporate videos, marketing videos, oh. selling videos? Talk to me. What do you think? You bet. I mean, um, I, I, think, um, I think you're absolutely spot on. It's a billion-dollar industry for a reason. Now, if you, 
you know, the old way of doing business, if you're B2B and you're selling, you know, multi-million dollar products, if you put together a lengthy white paper and you say, this is what we do, this is what we don't do, this is how we stack up, here's your pricing. But let me ask you this. When's the last time you picked up a white paper, flipped through it, and laughed out loud and had a chuckle to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably never, unless you're a bit of a weirdo, (laughs) but uh, I know I haven't. But when you see a video, you can pull on so many emotions. So you can actually communicate all that super complex, tricky information in a way that's easy to understand, in a way that's easy to digest, and more importantly, in a way that evokes emotion. Because as smart marketers, we know if we can get that customer laughing, then we Mm -hmm. can create that emotional connection and really push them through the buyer's journey to the next step. So there's, there's so many opportunities when it comes to using video for marketing and video for sales. And uh, it's such a natural fit. And I haven't even started talking about the human to human connection on that. Um, but you know, this is something I could talk about for, for hours. It, it's a great topic. Thank you for that. Matt Trushitsky, what do you think? Are cat videos changing the way companies need to create their videos? That humanness, that, that vulnerability, that sense of humor. What do you think? Have they changed how companies need to think about videos? Absolutely, especially technology companies. I think this is the biggest gap I see on, on a daily basis is technology companies tend to forget that their customers are also people. Um, and they, they forget that they're, they're, they want to push their box or their appliance or their AI or the platform, and they forget that what they're trying to do is solve problems for people. And those people, they need an emotional connection to what you're trying to do for them. They need to feel like you're there to help them. And I think the biggest risk that people run is if you don't do that, your competitors are going to, or they might do that on your behalf. So if you're not putting out a video content that, connects with people and, and educates people and helps them understand the value that, that you provide, um, then you might run the risk of letting your competitors set that narrative. And I, I don't imagine that they would paint you or your company as being the premier solution. So I think, you know, it's definitely something that if you're not doing it, you should be worried and uh, you should be immediately jumping on something to say, how can I at least start putting up something that resembles some kind of video narrative for whatever it is that you're trying to sell or market. Thank you. Very interesting. Kirsten, join us. Thoughts on adding humor, adding vulnerability, adding adorableness to corporate videos. What do you think? I I think that um, both what uh, Matt and Jesse have said is absolutely um, critical to building that human-to-human connection with your customers and prospects. Um, People want, they they can see through... um, inauthenticity uh, very quickly and they will turn you off. They have that opportunity to unfollow you, to disconnect from you very quickly without you ever knowing. And so it's really important that we are authentic and that we show that we're human beings, that we're not just some glass building um, or, you know, robots trying to uh, to get on their radar. We really are um, uh, capable of, of showing and and building that human-to-human human human connection through video. Um, because I think, as uh, it was Jesse that said, that when you, you build that connection, you build that emotional connection with someone, you can, you can make them laugh. Uh, if you can have some sort of emotional reaction from them, not only does it create an emotional connection, but it also creates a memory. Uh, and and yes. so when you create that memory, you start to build that relationship through 
um, through those things. And so having that video that is a little bit funny or a little bit of a tearjerker really builds those, um, those memories in people and starts to build that connection. Thank you very much, Kirsten. Sherelle, I'm blaming you for starting this part of the conversation, which I didn't plan on. But when you picked the, the Joker quote, why so serious? It dawned on me we had to go around the table. So what's your thought, uh, Sherelle? You want to add something to this conversation, which you actually spawned and I thank you for? I will add just one little small tidbit. I think that all of my fellow panelists are correct. Absolutely. I agree 100% with what they said. But I may have to invoke another quick thought. Success when we're talking about videos, humanizing, you know, something business related is what I think will determine the success of it between something that's all business related. People like that escape. They like that emotion, especially when it evokes a positive emotion. However, success equals response. Success does not equal whether or not you like something. So the popularity of something that's online, especially on a digital platform, is all around whether or not people have some sort of emotional response to it. And it could be a negative emotional response. But, you know, maybe we'll talk about that on another uh, another radio show. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe we will. Thank you very much. Now it's time for predictions. I'm going to, to keep this moving, I'm going to pick one from each of you. Each of my panelists submitted three predictions, and we'll see how many we can cover. It's not a race, but I'm going to pick the ones that capture my attention right now. So, Jesse Aris at Vidyard, I like your number two prediction. Let me read it, and then you can tell us. Just take two minutes to explain it, then we'll pick one from Matt and one from Kirsten and one from Sherelle, and we'll go around the table again. So, Jesse said the following. He said, the keyboard is replaced by the webcam. Jesse, sounds provocative. Tell me more, please. <laughs> yes, a little bit provocative, but you know what? If you look at the history and the trends of how people have communicated, uh, it, it starts to make a lot more sense. Really, I see the keyboard as this artifact from not just a pre-digital world, but more specifically in what we're talking about today, a pre-video world. So we know that video is becoming more and more a part of everyday life. And for many people, especially those younger than us, I mean, I can't speak for you, Bonnie. I don't know how old you are. You might be a millennial. But um, I I, I see... (laughs) You're you're adorable. Go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) You you see um, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 18-year-olds, and they're primarily communicating through things like um, Instagram video uh, stories, uh, Snapchat videos, uh, FaceTime. I, I was blown away. I was at Walt Disney World with my family, and I was seeing just these, these young girls, probably 13 or 14, running around, and they were FaceTiming all their other friends. Mm-hmm. That's the way that people are starting to communicate because we've made it so accessible. We've made it easy to access for everyone. And it's just a natural way that people communicate. It's not natural to type on a keyboard, let alone a QWERTY keyboard that was originally designed <laughs> to slow typists down, right? And yes. so when you start to add a face to that and when you start to add the little nuances, we know that so much of communication is not verbal. And if it's not verbal and it's not written, what is it? It's those little expressions you make with your face when I yes. say something, right? It's, you know, the person who's on the edge of laughing. That is the most authentic uh, way of communicating. And, and as, a, as the previous panelist said, authenticity is key. And uh, on top of that, you know, it's 
for me to come on your show and, and chat using my voice, I, I know we're not doing video specifically, but mm-hmm. it's a huge leap over typing. Yeah, yes. you know, you could have asked us these questions and we could have typed up the response and you could have a blog post, but there's nothing like actually having that true face-to-face conversation that's in real time. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It can have ums, it can have ahs. Uh, I really do believe that as video starts to become commoditized in the consumer world, you'll start to see the almost uh, obsolescence of the keyboard. And uh, dare I say, uh, uh, the keyboard's gone entirely. Who knows? Maybe with a little AI, we can figure that out. But uh, that is my bold look forward. I, I love it. I'm still giggling that you said I could be a millennial. I'm, I'll tell you after the show. You won't believe it. But thank you for that. That I hope it's my voice and my energy. I, I love what you said. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that more. Thank you so much. And, and you know, Jesse, what people have been saying for years is that when we turn to email, we got rid of the emotion. Yes, we have emoticons. Yes, we drop in little pictures of things. But seriously, even with texting, we lose that emotional content. We don't know the attitude, the mood, the emotional reaction of what the person on the other side of the text is thinking. Feelings get hurt. Deals get lost. Moods get broken, for goodness sake. So we all know about the, the texting breakups and all of those good things. So thank you very much for that. Great. And you know what? I'm going to move on to Matt I want to pick one of your prediction headlines, Matt. So you say, people stop creating a full end-to-end video and start creating segments of video. Matt, this also sounds provocative. Tell me what this means, please. Yeah, I, so this is my bold prediction that I think we'll look back in a few years, let's say five to ten years, and we'll look back at the idea of producing an end-to-end video as being antiquated. Because right now, and actually we're, we're doing some video planning, I was on some video planning calls this morning, and what we're talking about is creating a single narrative for a single resource that targets a single persona with a single message, and it's all single, right? Because we're, we're, to be effective in any sort of messaging, you really want to be targeted and focused and get one message across. So companies like ours spend a bunch of money on creating these assets that speak to one person um, or one persona very well. And then we got to go back to the drawing board and create another thing for another persona or another message, another buyer, another user. And we kind of create these um, single files that take people on a journey. And I think what, what we'll end up doing in, in the long run is we'll be taking the better information we have about who that viewer is. So imagine you're, you're speaking to an engineer um, and you'll be saying, okay, so I've got, I want to connect this particular video with multiple audiences. One's an engineer, maybe one person's in finance, one's a marketer. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to create four intros for the video. We're mm-hmm. going to create six different bodies for whatever the message is in the middle. And we're going to create a whole bunch of endings depending on, depending on kind of uh, how we want to wrap up. Right. And then looking at who, who's actually watching the content the persona, what they might care about, the kind of emotion that would respond to, take all those marketing inputs that we might know about the viewer, and then in real time stitch together not a single piece of video but a a congregation of different parts of a single video to create a narrative in real time. And so instead of creating one single asset, you're creating the parts of asset, you're creating Lego bricks. And, And sometimes that Lego brick might come out to be a dinosaur, and sometimes those Lego bricks might come out to be a boat. But you're investing in the bricks rather than the end product, and then you're letting AI and the systems and the marketing automation tools tee up that narrative for you and say, 
for this user, I think this combination of these parts creates the ultimate video. Um, so I you know that's, that's probably fairly controversial for people who do scripting and storyboarding and that kind of stuff, but I really think that um, as we get closer and closer to true personalization of video, as in I am creating a video for Bonnie or a video for Jesse, um, that's what will be required to, to get that level of personalization. Thank you. That was provocative. That's very interesting. So you can customize by building in the the building blocks, as you say, the Lego blocks for creating your video. Very, very interesting. When I I have a couple of TV shows that I I produce and and host here in my home studio, and sometimes I'll have a guest where I know they're going to be part of multiple interviews, Matt, where I'm going to piece them together when I edit an iMovie. So I will do a generic introduction and then bring each on, tape them separately, and then put them together, but sometimes I'll do a full 30-minute interview and then say I'm going to use it for a standalone show or I'm going to use it for a piece of that to put together with somebody else's interview and build a show with multiple guests. So I, I guess it certainly makes, I know it makes a lot of sense to be able to have, to, to invest the thought the thoughtfulness and the time and the effort into not scripting, but planning how you can use those segments. Am I on the right path with that, Matt? I absolutely agree. And I think when, you know, we had lots of uh, my fellow panelists talk about connecting emotionally and connecting Mm -hmm. to video and really, really making that um, connection to the content. I think for that to happen, that content has to be personal and feel personal for you. And, and as someone who's investing in video, I want to be able to connect with as many people and different kinds of people as, as possible. Um, and and what we know about persona work is, you know, this kind of thing means different things to many different people. So, yeah, when you're cutting a show, I, I imagine you have different audiences in mind. And as yes. you're putting those pieces together, you're trying to decide what the best message is for all those different audiences. And yes. maybe in the future, all you do is, you know, upload those clips. You, you tag them with meta information about who you think this is for, and then you let AI and another system piece those together for you, depending on who's trying to listen. I love the idea. Thank you very much. Uh, Kirsten Boylo, we're moving on. I like your prediction here. You had one about micro-learning for tech advancements. How does this fit with our topic of videos and AI? Kirsten, talk to me, please. Sure. So I, I think that there's an opportunity to to leverage micro learning. So the um, kind of the, the the Lego bricks that that Matt's been talking about, um, those the snippets of information that you can then put together to make a full story. Um, same idea, taking those snippets of information. And for those people who uh, perhaps are um, not able to sit down for a full hour and look at a, you know, from an education standpoint, mm-hmm. from look at a full video, you have the opportunity to um, create these really um, very specific, very um, on-topic um, micro-learning opportunities. So these tiny little videos less than a minute in length that really get across this one very specific message. And that, that really fits in with our changing attention spans. Um, it also fits in with, uh, with an AI perspective because you can take, um, you know, the, the full scope of what people are, um, you know, clicking into what, what things they're choosing to, to um, consume and then utilize that uh, information to serve up the next piece of content that's going to be valuable to them. And so I think that um, having that opportunity to really condense the, the ideas down to very small, 
sound bites, so to speak, mm-hmm. or video bites. <laughs> I don't know if that's even a word. Um, it is now. Or a phrase. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> uh, that you can utilize that and then utilize AI to, to really serve up those next pieces and increase uh, learning. And that learning can be from, from a, you know, from my perspective, from an internal training perspective, but it could also be from an, an external consumer's perspective as well. Thank you. Good good points all. And let's move on to a prediction from Sherelle Robinson Brown or just known as one name Sherelle, the Sherelle. We have to you have to have a handle that says the real Sherelle. Do you think Sherelle? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think we need to get that one. Kirsten just just, uh, coined the phrase video bites, I believe. So heard first here around the world. Thank you very much. So what I I like your prediction, number one, you sent me, Sherelle, the real Sherelle. You say artificial intelligence should be called automated intelligence. I was looking for something provocative, and I think we really hit on this one. So tell us, what do you mean by this, please? Because I I think, you know, Bonnie, yeah, we're coining terms, so I I certainly want to coin that term. But I think that artificial, it's far from artificial. Artificial sounds to me fake, right? And automated sounds organic, right? Technology is quickly evolving, and in order for us to keep up, we need to automate some of the things that we used to do manually. If you think about the washing machine, I remember my grandmother used to wash clothes by hand. Right. Mm-hmm. If we never embraced the washing machine, we would still be washing clothes by hand. Um, and so I think that is a process that's been automated. It's a very intelligent task, but it's been automated. It's not artificial. It's not fake. It's still, it still does the same thing, but it's just automated. So I think I like the term um, automated intelligence. It, it, artificial just leaves behind a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know about anyone else, but... You know, artificial ingredients are bad. And so no wonder why people are afraid of artificial intelligence. Interesting. I think that begs a a comment from the rest of the panel. Jesse Aris, comment on automated intelligence versus artificial. What do you think? Agree or disagree with Sherelle? Yeah, I think um, going back to one of the key themes that we've been talking about today and humanization, when Sherelle said something like, um, uh, removing the word artificial from that phrase, uh, yeah, that really does speak with me on a more human level. It's like, okay, I get it. I think I can wrap my head around this. And uh, a- automation is such a powerful word right now in the marketing world that uh, I think uh, I think you might be onto something. Very interesting, Matt Trushinsky, Join us. What do you think? Is Sherelle on the right track there? Agree or disagree? I, I agree. I think I think. Um, what we should be looking at is outcomes, right? And mm-hmm. whether whether it's automation or artificial intelligence or whatever the mechanism is by which we we outsource that work that we're trying to do, if we remain focused on, you know, driving that emotional connection, driving purchasing behavior, driving those actions that we want to see, then the mechanism by which artificial, emotional, intelligence, whatever whatever you want to label that mechanism, I'm I'm okay with that label. Thank you. Kirsten, thoughts on this? And, Sherelle, I have a, a reference here. I've looked it up, so I have a reference for you. But, Kirsten, any thoughts on artificial versus automated intelligence? What's your POV? I wish when Sherelle was talking, I was actually nodding my head thinking that's really, really interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. But you're right. You know, the word artificial can be so such a negative connotation. And, and people are very afraid of the the whole idea of artificial intelligence. I think because of 
partly, maybe not fully, but partly because of the word that and the, the negative connotation that brings up. So automated intelligence um, does make a lot of sense to me. And again, it comes back to authenticity, as Jesse said, about being authentic about what the actual um, uh, you know, process is or, or the, the, the um, technology is. It's not necessarily artificial. It's not fake. It's not um, anything like that. It really is an automated process of uh, the way that we as humans think. Thank you. Sherelle, I looked it up. You know I love to Google things while we're on the air. And I found an article dated April 13, 2017, written by Emma McGuigan, M-C-G-U-I-G-A-N. She is writing for Accenture, and the title of her, her article, her post, is Automated Intelligence, The Future is Here. She does not distinguish between AI. She calls AI automated intelligence, not artificial intelligence, and she also calls it intelligent automation. Are you surprised? Cherelle, and I don't see much else about it other than intelligent automation. A lot of stories, Accenture, Aaliyah, IBM writes about it, but I'm not seeing the distinction. So I think you did it really well. Any comments from you, Cherelle? You started this conversation. What do you think? No, I just, you know, sometimes I go off on my tangents, Bonnie, as you always know. So I just think, you know, we're always, and Kirsten knows this because I'm on her team, but we are always trying to find really crafty ways of getting complex information in front of people who are not really open to it. And again, something like digital selling and, you know, video and AI, they're complex topics because they're new. They're not complex because they're complex. But we have to give these this information to people in digestible bits. And so I think our entire team has been conditioned to really think about things and simplify them so we can give them back to the people that we're training. So that that's what that was. Thank you very much. Good conversation. I'm going to see if we can squeak in a couple more predictions here. We have just a few minutes left. Uh, Jesse Aris, I'm going back to you, and here's something very provocative. I need to know how it relates to video. Your prediction headline number three was, we will enter the age of the remote employee, and you say, will office buildings be converted into housing. What in the world does this have to do with video, Jesse? Come on. I, I, I like that. When you have a, uh, a show about uh, existing structures converted because uh, of technology, let me know because I can imagine a world where nobody owns a car because all the cars are self-driving and we turn those empty garages into uh, virtual reality studios or rooms in everyone's house, right? Um, virtual reality is here. Uh, virtual reality is really only being adopted by, um, I guess, early adopters right now. It hasn't quite crossed the chasm, as we say, in the marketing world. Um, and it's largely based around video games. Um, but companies like Facebook, who own Oculus, who's arguably the leader in VR right now, are not uh, afraid to start experimenting with virtual reality for remote employees and for workers. We've already started to see them uh, do this a little bit at some of their conferences and, and speak to this. But there's such an opportunity. Uh, we, uh, a lot of folks work from home. I'm, I'm calling from home right now. You mentioned mm-hmm. that you have a studio at your home. Um, just the home is really the heart uh, and the soul of, of the individual. And why can't we 
just work from home. What I, I know there's going to be some industries where you can't work from home, like if you're in manufacturing, for example, um, and, and a few others. You know, yeah, it's going to be particularly tricky for me to have my dentist uh, remotely clean my teeth. Um, but I, I do see a world where in the knowledge and service space, everything does eventually move to running out of the house. And with technologies like virtual reality and real-time collaboration, uh, you can be there. You can experience things in the moment. And, and as I mentioned, that's just an evolution of what I talked about earlier with FaceTime and those girls talking to each other and, 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 and sharing that experience. There's really no reason we can't take that to the next level and make that a fully immersive experience where those people are with them at Disney World. They're experiencing that. And that's really the future of work. Uh, this is going to save money on commuting. This is going to save money for the owners of the businesses. This is, it, there's so much money to be saved and so much money to be gained. And when you can, using video, using VR, create an experience that is uh, indistinguishable from actually being there in person. Um, today, I, I would say video is pretty much the next best thing to be there in person. How can mm-hmm. we take that one step further um, and, and, and apply that in a work environment? Once that happens, by the way, it's going to happen uh, very, very shortly, uh, then, then really we're going to be freeing up a lot of office space. And, um, and the, the Good Samaritan sees an opportunity for something like low-income housing or other things using that office space. I mean, I love tying all these ideas together into one big picture. So very excited about the future. Thank you very much. You know, this brings to mind, and we're, we're just about ready to wrap up. I'm going to have you each give a 60-second prediction prediction on if we talked about this again in a year from now, would you be saying anything different about your predictions? But it, this conversation brings to mind the fact that we have so the, – the generation gap, the divide is, oh, my teenage kids are on their phone all the time. They're texting and they're sending pictures and emoticons, or they're always taking selfies and they're sending them to their friends. Why don't we talk? at the dinner table. Well, maybe we've created a very quick way for that authentic communication. It's just not with the people sitting at your dinner table at your family time. It's your kids reaching out. And and the criticism, as I said earlier, of of digital communications, email specifically, has been the emotional content is gone. There's no authenticity. You don't know what the mood or the thought is behind why the person is doing it. And it's open to misinterpretation. Let me just go around the table quickly and see if you all agree that Video and selfies and and the concept of I am here in the moment. We call that mindfulness. Some people call that mindfulness. Uh, that that we are communicating on a more real basis, whether it's video or just quick little snippets of where you are and what you're doing. Uh, let me start with Matt and go around because we just talked to Jesse quickly. Agree, disagree that we are communicating better using the opportunities available to us through little videos and pictures on our digital devices. Matt, agree or disagree? Uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll fence it on this one. I think there's no question that we're communicating more often. Uh-huh. Uh, there's no, there's no question that we're communicating maybe more information. Uh, but does that really constitute connection? Um, uh-huh. And I, I think some of these new tools are amazing. I know I've got family that lives on the west coast of Canada that I very rarely get to see, um, and we do things like Skype call and, and video call, FaceTime. And is it way better than 
a text? Is it way better than a phone call? For sure it is. It's, it's amazing. It's great to be able to see my family. Is it a substitute for the two times a year where either they come to this side of the country or I go there and we get to be in person and see each other and, and talk and, mm-hmm. and be together? I, I, I don't think so. So what I see is that, you know, these are amazing tools at filling gaps and filling divides and, and helping us bridge chasms where we just can't be together. Um, but I hope we certainly never lose sense of the importance of, of being genuinely together. There you go. Let's. Well, we're, this is going to take the place of the 60-second closing. Uh, Kirsten, agree or disagree that we are communicating more often? Are we communicating better? And let's keep it on the video topic. Kirsten, 60 seconds. Go. Sure. I, I do believe that we are communicating uh, more authentically because when you are um, – In a video with someone, uh, perhaps in a video call or FaceTime or something along those lines, uh, I I know I've done it myself. Um, I've gone um, for a walk while I'm chatting with a teammate or something like that, and they're seeing my life as as I'm living it, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm still having that conversation with them. And on the the flip side, um, recording a video, I think you can... Uh, you can create that emotion, you can create that connection, you can create that, you, it doesn't have to be in a, um, you know, in a studio where it's all very clean and tidy, it can be, show your real life. Um, actually, I have um, a call coming up, a video call coming up with uh, with LinkedIn um, next week, and <laughs> I was saying, well, because I'm having to sit in my son's room, because it's got, um, it's the only room in the, in the house with air conditioning right now, <laughs> So uh, the background of my video is very messy. He's got a messy bed, and he's got flags all over his ceilings, and there's all kinds of, like, teenage boy stuff behind me. And I'm like, I'm going to have to move. He's like, no, 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 it's totally you. It's totally authentic. I'm like, well, it's not me. <laughs> this is not me. This is my son. Uh, but it's, it really kind of gives people an, an understanding of, you know, who I am and what, what my life is like. So it's very authentic, and I would absolutely agree that we're, um, through video, we can express much more emotion. Thank you very much. You know what? We are out of time, so I'm going to just do the wrap-up, and I'm going to say thank you so much to my four panelists, Jesse Aris at Vidyard, Matthew Matrushinsky at Myovision, Kirsten Boyleau at SAP, and Sherelle Robinson-Brown at SAP. I want to thank you all for your contributions, for your energy. Jesse, we have to have a talk about whether I'm a millennial. I think I am in spirit, and that's where we're going to have to leave it. Uh, Thank you. I didn't say... I didn't say which millennium, you know. <laughs> oh, touche. Now, now, now we have to have a real talk. I want to do a shout out to my co-producer, partner in crime at Voice America Radio, Ryan Treasure, VP of Tech. He is the one who's helping me co-produce this. And thank you to Jeff Spinard, the CEO of Voice Talk, Voice America Radio as well. And shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. Thank you all for being part of this. It's been great. You've been listening to Technology Revolution, the future of now. We'll be back next week talking about, ooh, this is a a good one. CBD oil, miracle cure, woo-woo, or is it on a shelf somewhere near you going to solve all of your problems? I have a great panel, two MDs and two vendors of CBD, and we're going to talk all about it. So Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. And remember, the future of now hasn't happened yet. Be part of it. Make it happen. Bye-bye. When it comes to business, Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham 
every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh 